Shalom, and I hope all is well. My name is Yitzchak Schiffman. Thanks for tuning into this podcast, and I hope you enjoy the Torah classes in it. Now, on to the episode. Shalom, everyone. Be'ezat Hashem. We're continuing on in Mesechet Sanhedrin with Zion Amud Bet 7b. And we are going to begin at Darash Rab Yoshia V'item Rav Nachum Bar Yitzchak, which is two, four, five lines from the top of Zion Amud Bet. Zat Hashem, we're going to continue on today with the discussion we left off yesterday, in the first section, with the hashkafa, the perspective that a judge has to have, a seriousness that he takes his job. And then the second section we'll have today will deal with more of the halachot, the more practical halachot, and not as much in the perspective, but the practical application, as we'll see, of judges and their job. Zat Hashem, our learning today should be as a refuah shleima, a merit for a speedy recovery for Yaakov ben Dina. And like we left off yesterday, we were discussing how a judge has to take the seriousness of his job very in a very real way. So, Bezat Hashem, we're picking up Darash of Yoshia v'itim Rav Nachum bar Yitzchak. Ma'idichtiv, what does it mean in Yirmiya when the Pasuk says as follows? It says, Beit David, the house of David, Koema Hashem, so says Hashem, Dino laboker mishpat, judgment like the morning should be uh, done. Vehitzilu gazu miyad oshek, and save the one who was stolen from from the hands of the thief. So it compares judgment to the morning. But do we judge during the morning? And we don't adjudicate the rest of the day? means, why is the Pasuk highlighting judge as, a, as it relates to the morning? We judge the entire day. Hello, so what is the Pasuk in Yermia telling us? If the matter is clear to you like the morning, meaning that the judges have come to a clear achlata, a clear understanding of the case, and they're ready to administer with clarity, so imruha. So then, omreyu, excuse me, omreyu. So then say the psak, v'imla, but if you're not clear, alt omreyu, don't say it, means first you have to make sure that the psak that you're saying is actually certain. He says there's another source for this same idea, which is, the pasuk tells us in Mishle, we actually quoted this, it says, Say to wisdom, you are my sister. What is the Pasuk teaching us? If the matter is clear to you, is self-evident to you, like your sister is prohibited to you, just as everyone knows, every man knows that he's prohibited to have relations with his sister. So if the matter of the din that's in front of him, the judgment that's in front of him, is clear to him, like the clarity he has of that, Omreyu. So then go by all means and say it. If not, don't say it. So the idea that we're saying is a judge has to make sure that he's very certain in whatever it is that he's determining and that he's going to uh, administer before he says it as the verdict. Very interesting. If ten people are adjudicating a case, you have all the judges together judging. Literally means a chain. Chain is hanging on the necks of all of them. Now, what does it mean? A chain is hanging on the necks of all of them. It means if they make a mistake, the punishment 
for the mistake that they made is going to be on all of them. So the Gemara says, Pshita, of course, if they make a mistake, they're doing the wrong thing. Well, then they're all going to get punished. So Lo the Gemara says, the Chidush here is, Even if it's a student who is in front of his Rebbe, meaning a student sitting next to his Rebbe, his Rebbe is adjudicating a case, and he doesn't necessarily need to be involved in that. If he's quiet and he understood some sort of inability uh, to explain how there's some mistake being made in this case, he will also be responsible. The chain is also on his neck. He'll also bear some degree of responsibility for the mistake that's being made because he could have spoken up and corrected the issue. This is a general rule, actually. If we are quiet when there's something wrong going on around us, we can't exempt ourselves from that. If we have the ability to make some sort of a difference, we have to intervene. We have responsibility to. And chas v'shalom, if we don't, there's punishment that's going to be leveled our way. So with judgment also, 10 people are judging, the punishment of a mistake or a misstep is going to be leveled on all of them. The Gemara tells us a related story that Rav Huna, he understood this principle and he wanted to make sure that if he made a mistake in judgment, it wouldn't be only on his neck because that would be very strongly against him. So he would gather a group of people to judge along with him. So if they would make a mistake, at least the punishment would be equally apportioned in a way that it wouldn't be overwhelming for the one person. took it very literally. When a, judge, a litigant would come in front of him and there was some sort of a court case, he'd gather 10 rabbis from the yeshiva. And Amr, the reason he would say, gather them together to judge with me, so that each one receives a chip from the beam. What does it mean? It means in the, if we make a mistake, at least it won't be that the entire punishment is leveled against me, but that everyone will get a chip of the beam, a small part of it, and it won't be as severe for each, per, for each person or for myself personally. And in a similar idea, Rav Ashi Ati Trefta when a trefa would come in front of him, meaning there was some sort of a situation where an animal was brought in front of him and he had to determine, does this have a... Uh, damage inside of it that would cause it to be considered a trefa. It's not kosher anymore, which is an animal that won't survive. So this is a serious thing because if he says kosher and people eat it, well, he's being matir something, permitting something that's potentially problematic. So meknefu ravashi also would gather lekulo tavchi mechasya. He would gather all the butchers who are proficient in laws of trefa from Mata Mechasia, the city Mechasia, which was the city that he was Rosh Hashiva. And Amri would say a similar idea. Everyone gets one chip of the beam. Meaning to say again, the same idea is if I say it's mutar, it's permitted, I don't want to get punished alone because that's going to be a harsh punishment. But if I gather all the butchers who are bikiyin, they're proficient in the laws of trefa, so then it'll be leveled amongst us if we make a mistake together. Continues the Gemara, Ki atar of Dimu, when Rav Dimi came, Amar, he said the following, Darash Rav Nachum Bar Kohen, what does it mean when it says in Mishle, Melech ba Mishpat Ya'amir Aretz, the king with justice establishes the earth, ve'ish trumot, and a man accepting trumot, which is gifts, actually associated with the Kohen, Yarsena will destroy the land. So there's an association with a king doing judgment, establishing the land, and a kohen who accepts truma that will destroy it. What's the comparison? 
Im dayan domelamelech, if the judge is like a king. Sheinot tzarich leklum, he does not need anything. I mean, just like a king is independently wealthy, he doesn't need anybody else's money. The judge also has amassed sufficient knowledge to judge on his own. He doesn't need to ask other people's opinions. Ya'amid aret. So then he will establish the earth, meaning he'll be successful in his judgment and he'll be able to create success and establishment amongst the earth. Ve'im domel kohen, but if the judge is like a kohen, that he searches by the granaries, meaning he goes around asking people for truma, the Kohen is somebody who receives, it's not nice to say, but he receives to a degree handouts. He receives truma from the other people's produce, gifts. And if a, a Dayan is like that, it means he's needy, which means he's not really proficient to the degree that he should in laws, needs to ask other people's opinions. So the problem is the judgment that he'll mete out will also be somewhat lacking because of his lack of proficiency. Yar Sena, he'll end up destroying the earth. So really it's, an, it's a reference to the necessary skills and abilities and intellectual capacities of a judge to be successful and uh, properly establish things as they should be. The Gemara tells us a related story. The house of the Nasi. They used to establish, or they established a judge that wasn't proficient in the laws. He hadn't learned sufficient amounts, and they established him as a judge. We're going to see they established him as a judge, but he was lacking. He was... Uh, he might have looked good, he, may, he might have played the part well, but he was not on the level of intellect and knowledge to really do the job properly. So Amr the Nasi said to Yehuda bar Nachmeni, So the Nasi said to Yehuda bar Nachmeni, who was the translator of Reish Lakish, used to be back in the day that when the rabbi or the judge would expound in public, would give a drasha, the rabbi didn't have such a loud voice. And they didn't have microphones, so they had a human microphone. What does it mean? It means the rabbi would talk to someone who was called a metorgeman. Literally, it means a translator, but really he was like a loudspeaker. The rabbi would tell him what he wanted to say, and then the loudspeaker, the metorgeman, would broadcast it. He had a loud voice to the general public. He would say it very loud so everyone could hear. So the Nasi said to Yehuda bar Nachmeni, who was the translator of Reish Lakish, I want you to stand over this new Dayan that we have just elected, the one that we said was not qualified, and I want you to expound whatever it is that he tells you in public. So So this Yehuda Bar Nachmeni bent down to hear what this new judge had to say, and he didn't say anything. He didn't know anything to say. He wasn't qualified. So So this Yehuda Bar Nachmeni opened up and he said the following Pasuk in Chabakuk. And this Pasuk highlights the fact that they were appointing non-qualified judges. Hoy omer hekitza. Woe to the one who says to wood, um, or the tree, hekitza, uh, awake. Uri le'even domeim. He says, uh, be aroused or wake up to the silent or the dumb stone. Huyore, can he teach? It is overlaid with gold and silver. They call ruach in bekirbo, but there's no spirit inside of it. Which means what he was really saying was it might look good on the outside, but ultimately this judge is not qualified. He doesn't have the ability to teach. He doesn't have the ability to paskin. And this is wrong to appoint such judges. And the Gemara continues and tells us that there will be terrible punishments for people that appoint such unqualified judges. We'll see. The reasons they would do this perhaps is because of 
bribery. We'll see exactly what the the motivations for this was. But Vatira Kadosh Hashem in the future is going to punish those who appoint these non-qualified judges to the position. Shenamar, like it says there in Chabakuk, in that same context of the unqualified judges, Vashem Beichal Kacho, Hashem in his holy sanctuary, Hasmi Panav Kola Aretz. Every, all, all of the land will be silent in front of him, referring to punishment. So in the context of Chabakuk, it's saying if people appoint non-qualified judges, what's going to end up happening is Hashem will end up punishing those people. Because you're appointing individuals over the Tzibur to adjudicate that are not qualified for this. They're going to create all kinds of problems. Continues Reish Lakish in the same theme. Amar Reish Lakish. Anyone that appoints a judge over the public that's not qualified, it's like a planting, a tree of Avodah Zarah amongst the Jewish people. We know when the Jews entered the land of Israel under Yeshua, they were commanded to destroy all uh, remains of idolatry. One of the common customs back in the day was Asherah. They would worship trees, you know, trees of worship of Avodah Zarah. So the Psukim tell us they had to destroy that. And anyone that appoints a non-qualified judge is like planting a tree of an Asherah. Where do we find this idea? As the Pasuk tells us, it says, place judges and the police that support the judges throughout your lands. And then nearby, that Pasuk, it says, Do not plant for yourselves an Asherah tree. So Rashi explains, is a reference it's the psukim actually in Masechet um, Ta'anit. The Gemara expounds. It's it says in the pasuk, Ki Adam Etz Hasadeh, that man is like a tree. So in the context here, as the Gemara understands, is it refers to students or judges that are could be referred to as a tree. But it's a comparison here is that if you appoint judges that are not qualified, it's like planting an Asherah in terms of the level of severity that you are. Uh, accomplishing. Shneamar, how do we know this? So sorry, because the pasuk says the comparison of these ideas. Amar Ravashi, Ravashi continues and says an even even more severe step. If it's a place where there are fitting qualified Torah scholars and they could be appointed to the position and you choose instead to appoint these non-qualified ones it's like you're planting in Asherah but not just in general planting it anywhere but specifically near the Mizbech which is even more of an offense like the Pasuk says it says near the Mizbech of Hashem your God and um, th- that's the context of Sukim there. So meaning by the Asherah. So again, putting it all together is if a person, if, if the, the leaders appoint a judge who is not qualified in general, it's like planting an Asherah. If you, plant, if you appoint a judge who's not qualified and there's other Torah scholars that are qualified, so then it's like planting an Asherah near the altar of Hashem, which is even considered more severe. Okay. Rashi explains the reason for this is because Talmidei Chachamim in general, they're referred to as a Mizbech because they atone for the Tzibur, for the public, like the Mizbech, when a person would bring Korbanot, would act as an atonement. Actually, this week's Parsha, Shruma, we speak about these types of things, these, these uh, parts of the Mishkan. But the point is, therefore, if there is a Torah scholar who's like a Mizbech and you decide to not appoint him and you appoint the non-qualified ones, it's like planting an Asherah 
next to the Mizbech, you're disregarding the appropriate appointee and you're appointing the wrong one. Now the Gemara notes the following. Ketiv, the Pasuk, tells us, Lo ta'asuniti elohe kesef elohe zahav. It says, you shall not make uh, gods of silver and gods of gold, which refers to not fashioning idols of gold and silver. So the Gemara says, but why does it specifically say gold and silver? Is it that you're only prohibited in making idols of gold and silver? shari. But if you make it out of wood, it's permitted? Meaning, what's this idea that the Pasuk highlights, particularly now that I make Avodah Zarah out of gold and silver? It should be in general a problem. So Amaravashi, actually the end of last week's parasha, Yitro, uh, two weeks ago. Amaravashi, so Ravashi says, what it's telling us is, we know the word Elohei, it refers to Hashem, but it could also, or, or Avodah Zarah, but also it could refer to judges. So what the Pasuk is telling us is, Eloah Kesef. If a judge was appointed because of silver, or if a judge was appointed because of gold, which Rashi explains, is if a judge was appointed because he gave bribes to the king and bought his way into positions of authority, that's considered so severe, and that's something that cannot be done because those are unqualified, they're not fitting, they just bought their way in through uh, means of money. That's what the Pasuk is really teaching us. The Gemara tells us a story regarding Rav, who was a judge, and he would come to judge cases, but he highlighted that he understood the severity of it, and also, as we'll see, he didn't let it get to his head that he was such an elite position amongst the Jewish people. Rav ki when Rav would come to judge, Amar Hachi, he would say the following, by the desire of himself, and he's referring to himself, my, by my own desire, I'm going out to be killed. And what do you mean I'm going out to be killed? I'm going to judge, and if I make a mistake, I'll be liable to be punished. Hashem will, will take retribution against me. He's not doing the desires of his house. Meaning that when I'm going to judge, I'm not taking care of my household, for example. Why? Because I'm not even getting paid for this. You're not allowed to take money for judgment. And instead of making money to support my house, I'm going to judge. Arsha points out over here is, although you're not allowed to take money to judge, there is a concept of getting paid for schar batala, is that I could have worked if I wasn't judging, so I get paid. But for the actual judging, can't take money. Berekan lebeitei ayil. And he goes up to his house empty-handed. Like I said, you don't get paid for judging. So basically, Rav's saying is, I'm going to do a task that I could potentially be punished for doing. I'm not taking care of my house and I'm not making money off this. And I hope that at least my returning to home should be like when I left my home. Just as when I left my home, I hadn't yet judged and I hadn't yet had the opportunity to make a mistake and I haven't sinned, when I return, I should also return without having sinned. I haven't made a mistake in judgment. Which means Rav was essentially saying that this is a task that needs to be done and therefore I'm doing my sacred task of judging the people, but I don't get any benefits out of this. And the only thing is, potentially I can get retribution against me because of judging wrong. When Rav would see groups gathering following behind him, like, like rabbis have. Rabbis are walking and then groups of people follow behind to accompany them. So his groupies were following behind him. So would, Rav would say something in order that he wouldn't become full of himself. Because look at all these people who are giving me honor. So Amari would say the Pasuk in Eov which says, Im ya'alele shamayim si'o, 
if your greatness ascends to heaven, the Gomer, as the Pasuk seems to imply, that uh, everyone's giving you such great honor, you should remember that like the dung, like uh, excrement, like for forever, for eternity, he'll be destroyed. It means ultimately, I'm still, I have to still retain my humility, Rav saying, and he did, like uh, Ray, like uh, excrement, he'll ultimately be destroyed. So the point is, he, Rav didn't allow himself to become full of himself because of the honor these people gave him, he remembered his, his humility uh, along the way. And we'll continue on in a minute with a similar idea. But this idea is, is an amazing idea, actually, is that really we know, Chazal tell us, which is a famous Yesod, in Kavod el Torah. We know there's no honor but with Torah. It means every other element of honor, living on the water in a beautiful house, driving the Porsche, all of that, it, it, it's fake honor. It's not real honor. And any honor that people give because of those reasons, it's fake. Ein kavod el Torah. But yet, Rav, who was receiving honor for being a great rabbi, for mastering so much Torah, for judging the people, he also understood that this can get to my head and this can cause me to start becoming full of myself. So he made efforts in order to retain his humility and to keep himself in check from chas v'shalom, becoming bal gava. When they would carry him on the Shabbatah Dirgila, he would say the following. So Rashi explains what happened was like this. 30 days before the Yom Tov, the rabbi would teach the laws of the Yom Tov so that people would know the laws of the festival, of Pesach, Sukkot, etc. Now when Marzutra would come in to teach, Rashi explains his servants would carry him because he was old and it, was, it took him a long time to walk. He didn't want to bother the tzibor to stand until he got to his seat. So his servants would carry him quickly to his place so that people didn't have to stay standing for so long. But they would give him a lot of honor. So he would say the following, Ki lo chosen, Not forever, the pasuk in, in uh, Mishle. Not forever is wealth or riches. And does the crown last forever? Meaning he was saying, they're giving me great honor, that's wonderful, but ultimately this is something that diminishes, that's taken away, and that's not something that I'm going to let get to my head. Okay, now we're moving on now to the next section. We're going to deal more outside of the hashkafa now and more to the practical application of the laws that a judge has to adhere to and be careful about. Darash Bar Kapara. Bar Kapara expanded the following. Where do we know this idea that the rabbis say it's actually Mishnah, Pirkei Avot, and Perak Aleph, Mishnah Aleph? Um, it says, Hevu mitunim badin. Beginning of Pirkei Avot. Inside here it says Perak Aleph, Mishnah Aleph. I don't sure in every version that's how it is. But um, yeah, in the beginning of Pirkei Avot it says, Hevu mitunim badin. A person should be patient. Judges should be patient in judgment, which means they shouldn't jump to adjudicate the case quickly, but they should hear the point, mull it over, calculate it properly, and only then administer what it is that they've concluded. How do we know this? Tichtiv, as the Pasuk tells us, I believe this is the end of Yitro. It says, It says that the Mizbech was supposed to be built with a ramp in order to ascend it, not with steps. So, do not go up on steps. And Rashi explains, very interesting, I would not have thought this necessarily logically, but Rashi says that when you ascend on steps, it's more swiftly and with more force. 
So it's quicker and with more force. And the Torah says, don't. Lota alevamalot. You should not have steps going up to the Mizbeach. Rather, it should be a ramp, which is slower and more calculated. Vesamichle, and next to it it says, ve'ela mishpatim. These should be the judges. So just as steps, the Pesukim say you can't have that on the Mizbeach, which is connoting the idea of not doing things quickly, but rather with more patience. Ela mishpatim, the judges should also uh, administer the reality or the psak but only with tremendous patience, having molded over properly. How do we know a judge, literally it means he shouldn't step over the heads of the holy nation. But what it means is, is that if somebody would walk through and the students were sitting on the floor, so he would have to have people move out of their way and become uncomfortable for him. How do we know, even though he is the judge, he's not supposed to do that. Either he should come first, or he should go around the people, not inconveniencing everybody. As it says, Do not go up steps. And then it says, these should be the judges. Meaning again, he shouldn't step over them, taken in a different way here, but rather he should go around them or come before so that he doesn't have to inconvenience everybody to get out of his way. Now the Pasuk says, last week's parasha, it said, that you should place in front of the Jewish people. So Rashi actually tells us in Parashat uh, Mishpatim, we saw, is that you should arrange it like a shulchan arech, aruch. What does it mean? Like a set table. Is that when you explain the Torah, Hashem was telling Moshe Rabbeinu to the Jews, it shouldn't just be said over a few times and they have it fluent in their mouths, but you should also explain to them the reasons of the matter. But the Gemara says over here, the word tasim is, is out of context. Because asher tasim, that you shall place. Asher telamdem Really it should have said that you should teach them. Why does it say asher tasim? Asher tasim is you shall place the vessels that are used by the judges at the court. Meaning that there's this idea, as we're going to speak out in a moment, what these things are. The judge has to make sure that he uses these vessels of the judge in the way that is proper. What is it referring to? Let's see. Rav Huna ki When Rav Huna would go out to judge, Amarachi would say, Apikuli mani chanutai, bring me out the items that I use for my store, referring to the judgment. What are those things? Makal. Makal is a stick. Stick was used if somebody was transgressing certain prohibitions or he was acting in a way that was against the rabbis. So, he was allowed, the judge was supposed to hit him with a stick or, or command that he should be hit with a stick. Viratsu, or is a whip. She whip, makasa, if he needs to get whipped, the 39 malkot. Vishufra, or, and the shofar, this was another item. The shofar is they would blow the shofar to symbolize if somebody was being put in cherem, excommunication. Visandala, and the shoe. The shoe wasn't to hit the judges with, the, the uh, litigants with. But rather the shoe, the shoe was uh, to do chalitza. In the process of chalitza, the, the sister-in-law would take off her brother-in-law's shoe, etc. So take out my vessels. And that's why Asher they should have these items near them. That's what they would use in their adjudication. And it says, this is Sefer Devarim, it says, I will command your judges at that time. includes the word Tzav, and Rashi explains, Tzav, whenever it uses that word, it means a lashon of ziruz, of alacrity, or with energy. So what does it mean? Regarding these vessels that were used to punish or to 
<clears throat> direct in a strong way, instilling fear, there should be alacrity, energy. So Rashi explains that means if the judges need to use these, they should use them, L'shem Shamayim, for the sake of Hashem, to instill His awe over the tzibur. Now, the Pasuk tells us there regarding judges, You shall hear between your brothers and judge them. What is this talking about between your brothers? So it teaches us that there's a warning to the courts. They're not allowed to listen. It means between brothers, between litigants, they can't listen to one of the litigants until the other litigant is there to defend himself as well. What's the problem? Because if he hears one of the litigants say something, he might say something that's perhaps not even true necessarily, but he'll start to talk to the judge before the other one gets there. And once the judge already hears what the first one had to say, it'll be very hard for him to hear what the other one has to say if he wants to contradict what the first one said after. So it'll create a somewhat of a bias, and that would create an issue. So you can only hear what one litigant has to say when the other one is there and can potentially contradict the first one. And it's also a prohibition. Is against the litigants. They're not allowed to, literally means give taste. They're not allowed to begin to state their cases in front of the judge before the other one comes as well. So it's an azara for both of them. The judge is not allowed to hear it, and the litigant is not allowed to say his arguments before the other litigants show up in court. Why are you allowed to read it that second way as well? Because kari beinami shameya beinachichem. Because it could also be read not just shamoa that you as the judge shouldn't hear what the litigants say before they're both there, but rather it could also be read shameya. He shall not make heard, meaning the litigant should not begin to uh, express his case until both people are there. Rav Kana said the same drashot, but from a different pasuk, it says, It says, you the judges shall not hear false testimony, but it means that you can't hear what one says without the other one being there. And you could also read it, Lotasi, is that the litigants are not allowed to present until they're both considered, they're both there, so that one could contradict the other. Okay. Very interesting idea also is that you'd say, just say it, and then the judge will be able to have an open mind. But once he hears it, it's very hard then to remain an open mind if the other fellow wasn't there initially to contradict what this one's saying. Once we absorb certain information, it already affects us perhaps in a certain direction. Continues the Gemara, Ushvatetem Tzedek, it says you shall judge righteousness, meaning in a righteous, clear way. What does this teach us? Validate the judgment. And afterwards, uh, administer it. Administer the verdict. First, make sure it's clear, that it makes sense, and everything's clear in your mind, and only then should you administer the reality of it. Now, the Pasuk there says, It says, administer between a, a man and his brother. This teaches us, even if there's a case of Yerusha, of inheritance between two brothers, and there's a house, and there's a lower story and an upper story. So it would be easy for the judge to say, look, you take the lower story, you take the upper story. But as Rashi explains here, that's not what they're allowed to do. They have to figure out how much is each one worth financially, and each one has to end up with an equal portion. It's not enough just to make some sort of a roundabout cheshbon. You take the lower story, you get the higher story, but it has to be done in a perfect system. And the Pasuk continues, Ubein Gero. Now we're going to learn Gero means a place of dwelling or, or items used for dwelling. So, they also have to make sure to adjudicate properly between an oven and a double stove. Similar idea to before, which is 
if there's these two items that need to be divided up between brothers, etc., so it would be easy to say, you take this, you take that. But since a stove is worth more, so therefore you'd have to make sure in the financial way, each one ultimately ends up with the same amount of money. Now the Pasuk tells us, Lo takiru panim bamishpat, that the judges are not allowed to be takiru panim. Takiru panim means they can't recognize faces or show favor. You can't recognize him, show him a bias in a friendly way, which means if it's your friend, you're not allowed to adjudicate with a bias towards him. Actually, as we'll see momentarily, if you have some reason to appreciate him, you're not even allowed to adjudicate the case because that bias can create an imbalance in judgment. The opposite, don't be foreign to him, which means the opposite, which is if he's your enemy, so then you're not allowed to adjudicate as well because you might have a bias against him. Now the Gemara tells us a story, we'll finish off with this. The host who used to have Rav staying at his house came in front of Rav to be judged. So Amar Lo, the host said to Rav, Are you not my guest? Meaning to say is, I'm here to be judged and I'd love for you to help me out. So Amar Lo, so Rav said to him, Yes, it's true. I did stay by you. It's, it's all true. Sorry, one second. So Rav said, yeah, I agreed to that. Amar lei, so the host said to him, Dina itli. The host said, I have a case that I want adjudicated. How about help me out? Wink, wink. So Amar lei, Rav said back to him, turn to Chetamud Aleph. Sorry for the noise, there's a construction going on. Pasil nalechaladina, you have invalidated me for judging you, because now that I remember the good that you've done for me, apparently he didn't realize before, but now I can't judge you because I have a bias. You did me favors in the past, no longer can I judge your case. So Rav said to Rav Kahana, go and judge his case, meaning you don't have any bias, so you're allowed to judge his case, go take care of this fellow. So Rav Kahana saw that this, uh, this host of Rav previously was feeling very confident. Rashi explains he was he, he had a lot of confidence with Rav because he thought to himself, because of my protection, my protection that I took care of Rav, I'm going to for sure win this case. And he was speaking in a very confident way. So Amalir of Kahana said to him, if you listen to the outcome of the court case, meaning to say is, if you listen to whatever is ultimately administered, fantastic. But if not, you think somehow Rav is going to protect you? There's two ways to learn this, but I'm going to take Rav, either it means out of your strength or out of your ears. But the point is, I'm going to have no problem adjudicating this case, putting you in your place, and what's going to end up happening is, if you're not going to listen, I'll put you into cherem, I'll put you into excommunication, just because you did Rav some favors, that doesn't give you any favor in court, it's going to come out as it's meant to be, ultimately, as we will adjudicate. Okay, we're going to stop here at the top of Chetem with Aleph, Zat Hashem will continue on with these laws of a judge, tomorrow, with Chetem with Aleph. In the meantime, everybody have a wonderful day, and stay good, all the best.